0: Hey
1: R- R- F- R- F- R- M- R- M- main menu. M- main menu. Welcome, dear listener, to another edition of Main Menu. This time for Wednesday, the 11th of March, 2009. And boy, do we have a packed programme. Only two items, but they're big, they contain a lot of information, and they're interesting. So, we'll get straight on to things, and we'll give you details of how you can get hold of us and subscribe to various lists and stuff a little later on in the programme. In about 28 minutes or so, you'll hear from Jeff Shang, and he'll tell you all about Edcast. If you want to do broadcasting... That's one of the ways of doing it. But before that, Jamie Pauls interviews a member from HumanWare. Yes, KeySoft 8 is here. So let's do- join Jamie. We're visiting today on Main Menu with uh, Greg
2: Steltson, who is HumanWare product support specialist. And uh, we're talking today about KeySoft 8. So um, go ahead and... and Tell us what are some of the, the really key features of uh, Keysoft 8.
3: Okay. Well, as as you mentioned, uh, with one of the biggest things is is of course KeyChat. Um, it's it's something that's been in the works for a long period of time, and um, it first came about. Key the uh, the the interface for KeyChat actually came from the original uh, something that we're really happy to. To release lately is the deafblind communicator. It's a it's a communicator that is um, allows deafblind individuals to have uh, face-to-face communication, TTY, and and other uh, features. But one of those options is, of course, the KeyChat, and we brought that KeyChat feature into KeySoft 8. And um, what KeyChat does is it's it's very similar to your to your AOL, Instant Messenger, and your MSN, but it's quite different at the same time. It uses an instant messaging protocol called XMPP, and XMPP is actually the protocol that Google Talk um, is using, and um, it's it's not identical. It's not it's not the same as, as your AOL and your MSN and things like that, um, but the nice thing about XMPP is it's very open, meaning that... Uh, the difference is that with with AOL or MSN, if I'm on an AOL, if I'm an AOL member, I can only talk to other AOL members. Um, with with XMPP messaging, um, with KeyChat, uh, if if I'm a Google Talk person, if I'm if I'm somebody who is uh, a member of Google Talk or Gmail, for instance, I can talk to anybody who's using a messaging. Um, Service that uses XMPP, so whether that's Google Talk or Gmail, uh, to the becoming ever more popular, the iChat that's on Macs, um, the original um, user, uh, if you will, is um, is uh, the Jabber client. Uh, I don't know if anybody's ever familiar with that, but Jabber is what really made this XMPP popular, and now Google's kind of taking it off and running with it. Um, and I'm sure most of you are probably thinking, you know. It, will I be able to talk to my AOL contacts or my MSN contacts? And the answer to that is, as of right now, it's no. Um, but AOL and Google have been in contact, and they have come to an agreement that there will be a bridge between AOL and and Google and the XMPP world. Um, they're hoping by the end of two thousand nine, I believe. So um, that is coming, and um, the the interface is just—it's really cool. It's it, there's there's so much feedback from um, from whether somebody logs in what, any of your contacts whether they log in or log out you'll get instant feedback from the Braille note telling you that so and so has signed on or so and so has signed off as soon as you read a message or as soon as you receive a message from uh, for instance jamie if you're on if you're a gmail user and and I'm on your your friends' list um, if you send a message to me uh, I could be in in Keymail, I could be in Keyword, and all of a sudden a prompt will pop up saying "Message from Jamie," do you want to have a conversation? And you can say yes or no. Nice. And the nice thing is, is that just like on a PC, you can have it running in the background. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have it in the forefront and doing other things, so it's not stopping um, you from doing other things with your Braille note. So that's that's one of the biggest excitements is that it's really um, simple to use. We use the Keysoft interface, so right off your main menu. As you space down, you'll see email, internet, and then chat is going to be an option. And uh, the way, as I said, you can use a lot of XMPP. There's a ton of, a lot of um, businesses, for instance, are using it for intercompany communication, XMPP now. And as long as you have a messaging service like, like Google or iChat that uses XMPP, you can use that with KeyChat. You just have to learn their server settings. And so, it's uh, it's something we're really excited about, and it's really an up-and-coming technology, and so we wanted to kind of get the, to the forefront of that.
2: Very good. I also see from the releases that you've done and the uh, presentation that you did on Tech Talk, which was quite good, by the way, that you guys are now supporting Audible.com uh, with a 14-day trial, which is excellent for, yeah. for new users.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, the, you know, something that yeah. Our, we, for those of you who are Victor Reader stream users, we obviously support Audible on there and Audible works on a lot of different MP three players and we've actually been in contact with Audible with, with the Braille note and so the same way that you'd activate your stream or or an iPod or any kind of MP3 player, you'll do the same thing with the Braille note. You'll plug it in with the USB connection. Uh, braille note on the new audible manager software that'll get downloaded on your computer will be an option and you just say activate and you can download the book directly to the braille notes sd card or compact flash card or whatever you want to do um, and then you the nice thing is you'll use it in the book reader interface which is excellent because you're already familiar with using the book reader with bookshare and and your brf files so you can drop bookmarks in, you can you can type in mm-hmm. notes um, in different spots so you have all the same functionality but you're getting a full audio uh, audio really high-quality recording and that's something that we haven't been able to to offer yet um... to the to the braille note users and so it's it's really exciting another thing that we're kind of excited about is because the braille note is so widely used in in the um... education market the audible for kids um... Yeah. is uh, is uh... offspring kind of off off of audible and so students and and younger children who are RailNote users will be able to use this as well, and that's where we're kind of excited about it as well.
2: And that is uh, Audible Format 4, which is quite standard for all of the uh, assistive devices that I'm familiar with anyway, and really the the only format that I would want to use at this point, it's quite good.
3: Yeah. It's the highest quality, and and we wanted to to make sure that we were getting the highest quality when we do this. So, yep, sure. audio four or audible four.
2: Okay. Apparently, there's some talk about an enhanced format now that's even higher, but I'm not sure it would actually be quite large, I think, as well. But uh,
3: I'm surely they would be, but I believe I believe if you save it on a on a, let's say you have a two gigabyte SD card or a compact flash card, you should still have more than enough memory left. Absolutely.
2: And and um, four, as we say, is is quite quite sufficient. Speaking of Bookshare, right. their update kind of seemed to throw everyone into a bit of a tailspin there yep. uh, with uh, the <laughs> changing of the, the way uh, books read and obviously the way you unpack them, but they've gone to right. a more standardized format, so go ahead and talk about that a little bit.
3: Sure, absolutely. U- ultimately, I think it, it, it is a good change. Everybody's familiar with unzipping the whole process that was required, so that I think is a really positive thing. Um, we just needed a little bit of time to adapt, and it We've got that adaptation in place now. Before we go with Keysoft Eight, um, as we mentioned on Tech Talk, there will be a bookshare release for all platforms of the BrailleNote Classic, Empower, and PK. And um, we had mentioned a while ago that the 7.5 version was going to be the last version for the Classic, and we wanted to make sure that the users of the Classic model were were going to be able to to read their books. There's a lot of Classic models out there a lot of people that are using these, these braille notes to read their bookshare books and we didn't want to take that capability away from them because they paid good money for this for this release so um, we wanted to to release a patch out there to allow the classic models to to be able to read these books The the downside a little bit is that because we're dealing with such an old platform and uh... hardware is obviously quite restricted on these pla- classic models um, the download time is going to be a little bit slower, and you are going to have a lot um, a, a longer lag when you're dealing with loading the book up. But it will load, and you will be able to read your books, and that's, that's something we're really excited about. Um, when it comes to Keysoft 8.0, you're going to have the same functionality. It's going to be installed right into the release with all the other functionality of Keysoft 8.0, um, and you'll be able to just download the books as you normally were able to do. So the BrailleNote will now be able to unpack these zip files, unzip them, and you'll be able to read them just as you always have been in the BrailleNote, whether you use speech, Braille, dropping bookmarks, same functionality that you've always had.
2: And just to be clear to our listeners, um, the ability to unzip does not mean that a person can then compress files on the BrailleNote, correct?
3: Correct. It's only unzipping uh, capable, which is not, you know, it's, it's, it's something that we're also excited about because how often do you get zip files sent to you in an email or something like that? So you do have the ability to unzip files as well. So exactly. That's,
2: Good point, actually. I do tend to unzip a whole lot more than I zip files. So. Yeah, it's very true. I, s-
3: I know a lot of people that I could say, how do you unzip something, and then I would ask them the same question in reverse, and they'd have no idea.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Back in the education uh, market, um, support for NIMAS books is also coming, right?
3: Yeah, and that's something that's often overlooked by a lot of our users. Um, NIMAS is the the National Instructional Materials Accessibility Standard, and it's it's a standard that all publishers are now being held to. Um, it's the ability to get your textbooks sent to a you know a person who's going to be able to translate them in a very easy-to-translate format. So, for instance, you can have your books trans- sent to you. Um, it's, the publisher will send them to you, and you can then convert them into a DAISY file. You can convert them into a VR, BRF file so that it can be embossed on an embosser or read on a Braille display. And so the Nymus books is just a new standard that's out, but the fact that, that we're supporting these in bookshare is um, one of those... Um, accessible media producers that allow you to to uh, receive these books in NIMAS format and it's very marked up it's uh, more of a uh, it's a DAISY version but it's it's more of an advanced DAISY version so you look at like if you get a textbook for instance you have you have units and you have chapters and subheadings and things like that it's not always marked up in a true DAISY file when you look at these NIMAS files they're, they're a little bit more marked up and so um, that 's where the the ability for a student to kind of compete on the same level as their their cited counterparts is um, really beneficial on the Braille note side is because you so your teacher can say "Go to chapter three and then the oftentimes you 'll see these little red boxes with really important notes in them. sometimes even those red boxes are marked up with headings, and so you can kind of cycle through. From chapter three down to the red box or whatever that has this really important note, that your students or your your sighted counterparts can flip the page and look down it as well. So, okay.
2: <laughs> a little bit more of a techie question. You guys are incorporating WPA wireless encryption and keys update.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep, um, it's something that we kind of have have had in, in process for a long time. Well, not a long time, but since 7.5 and we were using this new wireless card and we finally completed testing on it. We wanted to make sure it was completely uh, solid before we announced the release of it. But with the use of these Ambicom wireless G cards now, the new cards that we're supporting, um, you can set up the note to use WPA encryption. That's WPA-PSK is the, the correct format. And um, there's, I mean, there's a lot of wireless encryption formats out there, um, but it used to be that WEP, W-P-A, WEP was the standard, and now with, you know, the <laughs> the ability of hackers out there and things like that, they had to find something stronger. And so WPA is um, more of a dynamic way of encrypting your your wireless connection, and so we wanted to be able to support that as well. And so with these cards, these wireless cards, uh, the, the Ambigum... WL54G, I believe, is the model number of the card. You can now use WPA with your BrailleNote. Okay,
2: very good. Also, uh, you're offering a free trial of the Cendero G- mm-hmm. GPS product. You want to kind of run that down mm-hmm. for us a bit?
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's one thing that I'm. I, this is one of them that I, I'm pretty excited. But I've been a Sendero user for quite some time now, and um... really find it to be an extremely valuable tool and we're we're really excited to be partnering with Sendero in this release to offer uh, a ninety day trial of it and basically what's going to happen is you'll install keysoft 8 and with keysoft 8 you'll find a navigation option right off of your main menu and when you do as soon as you will go into that option it will say do you want to purchase or try this gps trial and as soon as you say try your 90-day counter starts to count down. And when that happens, um, as soon as 90 days up, if you try to hit enter on that navigation, it'll say, please contact your uh, Sendero representative or HumanWare to purchase a full, fully you know, authorized license. And if you decide that you don't want to, then you can say, I'll cancel that, and it'll go away and so it's it's a really powerful navigation tool and the exciting thing is is it's not just restricted to the virtual mode um what's nice about gps is that i can sit at home before i go on a trip and i can download the map of the location where i'm going to and i can at that point browse virtually in my braille note with the sendero gps i can browse where i'm going i can virtually walk around the block of the location that i'm going to be staying at and uh, things like that but What's exciting about it is that um, with this trial version, you're not just restricted to that virtual mode. You can go out and buy a, a semi-cheap, you know, GPS receiver. I think the one they're endorsing right now is the Holix M1000, I believe. And um, But you can buy several different types of GPS receivers out there. And as soon as you turn on that GPS receiver and pair it with your barrel note via Bluetooth, um, you will have the full functionality of a GPS product. You can walk outside, it'll say you're on 3rd Street and you can walk along and say you're you're approaching you know Fifth Avenue or something like that and tell you exactly where you are and give you points of interest so something we're really excited to partner with them on.
2: Great. Those of us who are Victor Reader Stream users are absolutely addicted to NLS downloadable books and what is the status of that at this time?
3: as of right now um we we do not support n l s uh, um it's we hear we hear the 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 customer base wanting n l s and and um as of right now unfortunately I can only tell you what's what's available i know that that it's something that we have heard you guys on and we're looking into but as of right now um I can only tell you what what's available in keysoft 8. so uh n l s is is something that um as you said, can be enjoyed on a Victor Reader stream, and um, we're, we're really happy that, that the stream is so portable and can offer that functionality. But as of right now, we're still looking into it on the Braille Note side of things. Fair enough. Now,
2: I was really kind of struck by the discussion of the uh, so printer support the other night on Tech Talk. Not only are you guys uh, supporting a wide range of HP printers, if I have that right. But, uh, also, I was really interested in the ability to save a keyword document to a JPEG file. Go ahead and run that down. And mm-hmm. Talk to us about that.
3: This is the part that I'm most excited about i I spend a lot of time going around the country and and doing presentations to school districts and to teachers and one of the major gripes that I hear from teachers and students is i my student is great at writing their documents on the Braille note. But I can't get them. I can't, I, they can send them to me in Word document, and I can print them out, but that's not independent for the students. And so one of the biggest things that I'm excited about, the, the biggest thing of this this uh, release that gets overlooked by a lot of our techie users is the ability to simply plug your Braille note into a printer and print something out. It sounds so simple, and yet with the constantly changing... I mean, it seems like a printer comes out every week, doesn't it? I mean, so with with the constantly changing printers that come out weeks or months at a time, it it was very difficult for us to keep up with the drivers that they were using and things like that. Now, with the ability, we part we worked with um, with HP, and we 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 are very happy to say that the BrailleNote now will be compatible with the majority of HP Photosmart. I want to say it's Photosmart DeskJet and laser jet printers and it's really exciting because a lot of uh, a lot of school districts you know have contracts with HP and they can only buy HP printers and things like that so you know the ability just to plug in the braille note and and have it print out is is available now and we're really hoping that this makes the, <laughs> those those teachers and students who have been having issues like this live so, so much easier now um, going into what you were talking about Jamie with the uh with the JPEG files, this is uh, something that is new. It's, um, it's a little bit more techy for, for those the people who are familiar with the JPEG JPEG is an image file. It's a very small picture file. It's the file that a lot of uh, digital cameras create when you when you take a picture and save it on your computer. But ba- basically what we're going to do is you you can save this file and it'll save it as a JPEG image. Um, and you can email that image to a teacher, for instance, or to a colleague, and have them pull it up on their computer if they, if you just want to have them take a screenshot or take a look at the formatting, make sure everything's okay. It's a real quick way to transfer f- your files to a computer screen so that somebody visibly can see it, and then you can print it out on the computer's printer if it's not an HP printer. So it's going to have the exact same formatting that you left it in. It's just going to be a snapshot of the document, and you'll be set to go.
2: Can you just actually, like, Right-click on a document if you have it in, you know, Windows Explorer,
3: and print it that way. You can, can't you?
2: Yeah, That's yep, what I absolutely.
3: Thinking. You can say, I believe it's send to. You right-click and choose send to, and then you can choose your printer.
4: Okay, great.
2: Keysoft 8 is also going to be uh, released in French as well as English, right? That's kind of neat.
3: That's true. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. We're uh, we work because uh, our main office is out of out of. Quebec, Canada. Um, we uh, we do deal with a lot of French-speaking customers, and so we're happy to to release the the entire Keysoft eight suite in French from the start. So you don't have to change your language on the fly; it'll just come up in French. Good.
2: There's been quite a bit of discussion on the Braille Note list about um, Microsoft Word formats and uh, the Braille Note, and you guys have discuss that on tech talk but go ahead and for the main menu audience talk about kind of where uh, the braille note stands with word support and what you guys are are doing as much as you can talk about it
3: we hear you guys and trust me it's it's like i said with going around the country and and talking to students and and seeing the the issues that are coming up that's part of my job is i i see these issues i see them firsthand and i take them back and i I write up reports to research and development, and I say, here's the problems that I see, and I prioritize these, and, and we go from there. So I, I definitely, we, we, we hear you, we see the word problem, and we, we have been working diligently on, on trying to fix it. Um, with the constant changes in, in Microsoft and Word 07 and things like that, w- uh, just as the printers, we're, we're trying as hard as we can to keep up. Every, it seems like Microsoft is releasing a, a new patch for, for Office. And, you know, when that happens, we, we have to look at did they modify the formats and things like that. So, we, we are working on it. It's, it's something that is a very high priority for us. It, it has been for a long period of time. Um, we are very close to it. It's just a matter of we didn't want to release something that was not ready. As soon as we, if we released something that wasn't ready and it wasn't going to work, we we, we didn't want to encounter the, the the, problems that you guys would see. You guys, you guys don't want to see those kind of problems, thinking that something's going to work, and then you try it out and it's not going to work. So we wanted to make sure that it was solid, that it was stable. And um, so in the meantime, what we have come up with is, a workaround, and it's it's something that I showed to several students and teachers when I was um, when I was in Pennsylvania a few weeks ago, and they were really excited at seeing it. It's 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 a series of steps, and I'm going to write. We were constantly updating our FAQ page on the Braille Note now, or on the, on the I'm sorry, the uh, the HumanWare website under Braille Note, and it's just a set of steps that is allows you to take a word document and you'll save it in Word. And then what you'll do is after you save it into Word, you open it up in Windows, uh, Microsoft WordPad. And it's, it's, WordPad is a, it's a program that's on all Windows XP machines. I believe it's also on Vista machines as well. And all you do is open that document up. You go to the bottom of the document and save. Um, you just make a small change. So for instance, what I do is I either hit the space bar or I hit the enter key to add a new line and then I save the document. I just click the save button or do a control S. And as soon as you do that, the document will open up on your braille note with no trouble at all. Documents can be read, brought into braille and, and things like that with no problems at all. It's one one extra step on the PC side. And we do realize that yes, it is one extra step and then it's some more time that you have to spend on the PC, I realize that. But when when dealing with the braille note, um, this is an option that that has been extremely solid. I demonstrated it like I said a couple weeks ago. I had the entire class that I was working with doing it, and they were all able to do it with no problem. Um, so as I said, it's not it's not perfect, but it is it is a workaround and for those documents that will come up and they'll either come up saying Wordpad converter or things like that, or you' you'll bring them into your Bra note. Nothing will show up. Those documents as soon as you as soon as you save them in this Wordpad, um, format. If you bring them into WordPad, make a change and do a save, it realigns what's called the RTF tags, the rich text format tags. And when that happens, your documents work on your notes. So, so does this that's, spe- that's where we're at right now, Jeremy. Okay.
2: So does this specifically need to be done in WordPad or can you do it in Microsoft Word itself?
3: No, it's got to be done in WordPad. And the reason being is because of the simplicity of WordPad. Microsoft Word is too complex to, to do this. And with WordPad, as I said, it's part of uh, Microsoft or Windows XP, and I believe this as well. So right. it's just one extra program that you have to do. And the easiest way to do it on, on my end is what I do is I, I find the document wherever it is. I right-click or hit my Applications key, find Open With, and you can choose WordPad as the program you want to open it with.
0: Okay. Great. Okay. Mm-hmm.
3: The only
2: other thing that I forgot to mention that it's a small item, but probably not small for PK users, is the inclusion of Eloquence.
3: Absolutely. Yep. It's you're you're right. It's it's something that's looked overlooked by by some people. We, uh, as I said, we are um, we deal a lot with the education markets, and education may not be dealing with the PK as much as some of our professional users, but um, you know the a lot of people use Eloquence, whether they're using their screen reader of choice or whatever they're using, and so we wanted to make sure that that um, was consistent with more of our, our higher-end models of Braille Notes, so the, the M-Power and the PK. So just as you can, can uh, switch synthesizers on the M-Power, you can now do that on the PK.
2: Okay. Well, very good. I certainly appreciate uh, your taking the time to visit with us. Is there anything that you'd like to mention that we haven't covered?
3: No. it's. I mean, it's... it's it's a release that is um, we're we're really excited about it. Some of the things as I said may be getting overlooked by our techie users and and I really I really want people to kind of focus on the on the value of this release and think about the problems that have been available or that have been out there for students and we we really want to emphasize that we are not just for students but for everybody. But for instance the I'll I'll take for example the printers. You know, this has been a problem for quite some time. We've heard you, we've we have been listening, and we, we want you to know that your, your um, requests and, and um, things that, that are really not working well for you, we want to hear that. So um, if you do have any feature requests or, or any, uh, any issues that you, you would like to see addressed in future versions or things like that, modifications, please don't hesitate. Um, you can email us.info at humanware.com. Or us.support at humanware.com. And we, we take those requests very seriously. We forward them on to the appropriate departments. And, um, you know, they, they get, uh, prioritized just like everything else. So, um, please do not, don't hesitate to, um, to, to send us your feedback. Without your feedback, we don't, we don't have a product. We don't, we need to know exactly what, what you guys need. And so, um, please know that we are listening.
1: Hey, wow well, that's Jamie Paul and Humanware Keysoft 8. Go to humanware.com. You're listening to Main Menu on ACB Radio Mainstream. Let me quickly go through how you can ke- get in touch with us. If you want to look at our website, it's mainmenu.acbradio.org, Main Menu being one word. If you want to email us, it's mainmenu at acbradio.org. like to subscribe to our friends list, it's mainmenu-friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. Now, then, over the last few weeks, we have discussed various ways of playing music in Winamp and in Station Playlist. And that's okay if you want to run a station, but the only problem is you've then got to get it to the server. You've got to actually stream it. Jeff Shang now comes along and tells us about Edcast, which is a way of streaming your music to, well, might even be our server. So, Jeff, take it away.
4: Hello, Jeff Shang here, and I'm this week demonstrating for you the edcast streaming software for broadcasting to a shoutcast or icecast to compatible streaming server i'm demonstrating edcast because it is free and it is um in fact open source it's quite user friendly though it does have a couple of little quirks that uh, are worth uh, discussing hence the demonstration um and uh, it's also, in my opinion, superior to the Shoutcast DSP plugin um, and uh, worthwhile looking at for that alone. Edcast comes in three forms. It is available as a Winamp uh, DSP plugin. As I say, it can be used instead of the Shoutcast uh, DSP plugin. You can also get a version for it. Um, as a plug for the FUBAR 2000 player which I have not personally used and there's also a standalone version uh, which in itself is quite useful because if all you want to do is stream from the uh, line-in of your sound card or whatever something like that um, then you don't need to have an instance of Winamp running just to do that. The installation process I won't go through but it's pretty straightforward There is one significant gotcha um, that you should be aware of. Edcast is able to stream in a few formats, including uh, Ogvorbus and ogflac, I believe, also in um, AAC and, of course, MP3. However, the AAC and MP3 encoders are not shipped with the program. Uh, The reason for this is a legal reason, um, and so you have to go and get those Um, plugins uh, separately, get those DLLs separately. Um, The installer will direct you to websites where these can be downloaded from. If you select them uh, select these codecs during the install and so then you can go and download them. Uh, If you just want to go and do it manually or you already have it and you want to just upgrade your Edcast, you don't even need to select it during the install. The DLL will be detected and you can just go and copy it into your um, program files EdCast directory, assuming that you've put it in the default uh, installation location. So um, for ease of understanding, I'm using uh, the RealSpeak Speed Synthesizer with uh, JAWS 10, and um, my understanding is that um, EdCast should speak well with a range of screen readers. Desktop,
0: Folder View List View, EdCast, 24 of 41. So I'll
4: click on this. EdCast Dialogue, Edit Button. Okay, now that Edit Button there is to do with metadata, and um, for most people you won't need or want even to fiddle with it. Um, It's an odd choice for it to land on, but that's where it uh, lands on. Metadata is basically title streaming. Um, If you're using standalone um, Edcast like I'm using, then um, you um, don't need to worry too much about that sort of thing unless you uh, manually... there, There is the ability to manually enter metadata in there if you particularly want to. Um, I should stress that I'm using the standalone version of Edcast here. If you're using the plug-in version in Winamp, for example, um, if you enable the plug-in through the... Um, through selecting it uh, from the uh, DSP effect item in the preferences, then the Edcast window will come up there and it will look pretty similar to what we have. Let's have a quick tab around the interface. This isn't going to take very long and it will land on most of the things of interest. Um, There is a uh, level display on the screen so that you can, um, if you have some sight, you can see how loud your signal is. Um, That's obviously not accessible to us. Um, and it's it's fairly um, non-obvious if you're tabbing around the display, um, but it is also there, and if you've got uh, low vision, you may be able to make some use of that. So I'm still on this edit button. Edit button. Let's uh, have a quick tab around the interface so we can uh, tell you what's there. Auto-connect checkbox not checked. Uh, this is fairly straightforward. If you have this checked, um, it will automatically connect. My understanding is that this and the next item operate on all the encoders that you have. I actually haven't tried it, but I believe that that's what it is. So I don't personally use it because, um, well, first of all, you don't want to necessarily automatically connect. And also we have a number of encoders here um, and we wouldn't want them all connected at once. And in fact, we couldn't have them all connected at once. So I don't particularly recommend use of this. Checkbox, Connect button. Alt plus C. Thank you. That's the uh, connect button, and as I said, I believe that that makes all the encoders connect. There are ways of connecting individual encoders, and I'll get to that. Add encoder button. The add encoder button is important and doesn't necessarily act the way you would expect. I will come back to that, um, because when you open it up um, to begin with, uh, when with no encoders defined, um, you will need to hit Add Encoder before you can really do anything. And I'll do that in just a moment. Live recording check, box checked. Now, of course, in uh, the uh, versions of the plugin that come with uh, the, uh, for Winamp and for FUBAR 2000, of course, the version that comes with Station Playlist Studio is also... Um, the Winamp plugin uh you have a choice of sources you can either record directly from the sound card or you can record from the player directly um and possibly you might want to do that if you have other ways of getting say your microphone into the player why the checkbox is available in the standalone version i do not know and in fact i haven't even tried unchecking it to see what what would happen um and i'm not about to try it now but um that's why that checkbox is there, and I dare say it's just there because um, the same interface is, is used in all three versions. Live recording combo box. Rear input, two of three. Now, this is uh, where you select the um, uh, the input that's used on your sound card. Um, the inputs are going to vary based on your card. This obviously affects the um, the items for the um for the selections of your input device uh your default input device so um we uh, if you have a program that's using this card and changes the uh uh the the input device to microphone for example then that could mess up your your uh, Edcast. but that's the the standard way of things unfortunately you can just use this um combo box to set it back where it should be
0: Live recording left-right slider, 42%.
4: This is a uh, volume slider for the uh, input from the uh, card. Uh, you can either adjust it here or in volume control. Um, this one is just being provided here as a point of convenience, uh, but it does affect the same thing. It affects the, um, uh, the, the Windows control, which controls how much signal it picks up from your sound card.
0: List 1 list view. MP3 colon one hundred and twenty-eight kbps slash forty-four thousand one
4: hundred hertz slash stereo disconnected. One of ten. Okay, these are the encoders, and I'll come back to this in just a moment. Um, I'll just continue around the inter- interface for the moment. Metadata read only edit. Uh, this is where it uh, shows the metadata that's being sent. Of course, if you're um, using a plugin. Uh, version of EdCast, then it'll get better data from your player.
0: Live recording combo box. Sound maximum HD audio.
4: Two of three. Okay, this is actually saying sound maximum. It's actually sound max. Um, That's just one of these speech quirks. Uh, And that's the particular card that we're using. Um, I have three cards connected to this machine. So it has three cards here. I believe, I haven't double-checked, but I do believe... That um, changing this will actually change the default uh, device Default recording device under Windows Which I find a bit of an annoyance Because um, if that is so then, uh, Then that would mean that you couldn't have two instances of Edcast Running recording from different cards Which is something you might want to do If you need to send multiple streams of different sources to various places If you have a machine powerful enough to do that Um, To being able to select independently the sound card without changing the Windows default may also be a desirable um, behavior for other reasons. And uh, it's something that I'm going to suggest to the author. I have a few minor suggestions regarding this program, and that's one of them. Edit button. And we're back to the metadata. Edit button. Right. Now... Uh, let's quickly look at adding an encoder because that's the thing that that can uh, cause most confusion. Now, as you heard, we have an add encoder button. Auto-connect, let's connect, add that. encoder button. Now, normally when you'd hit a button like this in a program, you would expect encoder to come up and the config screen for the encoder to come up and go through all the settings. That's not what happens here. When you press add encoder, nothing appears to happen. What in fact does happen... Is that an encoder is added to the bottom of your encoder list? Let's tab around. Live recording. Live. Rec- live record,
0: List one. List view. MP3 colon 128 kbps slash 44,100 hertz slash stereo disconnected. 1 of 11.
4: Yeah. Now, you'll notice that it's 1 of 11, whereas before it was 1 of 10. Let's go down to the bottom one. MP3 colon 128 kbps slash 44,100 hertz slash stereo disconnected. Normally, it will default to Ogvorbus quality zero. Um... It's not done so here for uh, a slightly buggy reason. I think um, there was an 11th encoder before, and I think it's left stuff lying around regarding that, so it's remembered some of the settings for that. Um, but it will normally default to Ogvorbus Quality Zero. To, to, in order to configure this or to work on it in any way, you need to press your right application key, which, of course, is equivalent to right-click. Context menu, C... Connect. C. Now we have three items in here. We have connect, which of course changes to disconnect if the encoder is connected. Configure. C. Configure, which we'll go to in just a moment. And delete. D. All fairly self-explanatory, I would have thought. Let's go to configure Configure. and demonstrate how we do this because there are a couple of things that you need to be aware of when configuring an encoder in EdCast. Leaving menus. Configuration Dialog. Basic Settings Tab. There are three tab pages in this dialog box, and they don't quite work as you would expect. Um, OK Button. Basic Settings Tab. First thing that that's worth noting is that you can't use Control tab, tab to change the tabs. It just doesn't work. The second thing is that the tab is located before the OK and Cancel buttons, not after. And the third thing is that if you do want to change the tab, it's not enough just to press right and left arrows until you get to the one you want. I will just demonstrate this. Ip settings tab. Advanced settings tab. Okay button. Basic settings tab. Yeah, it didn't stick. The only way that you can force the tab to to actually change is to press Ips. space. Advanced on it. settings tab. So I'll press space. Selected and that um, that will change the actually make the change stick that's no great deal however let's go basic back to settings the, go back to the basic settings selected
0: and let's tab around okay button cancel button general settings
4: edit 128 now the thing about EdCast is that the prompts don't speak as well as they could do um so a bit of investigation with the sc- green review facility in your um, screen reader may prove helpful but it is fairly straightforward really because the defaults make a fair amount of sense. Now in the usual configuration uh, as I say the default configuration is set to Ogvorbus which is um, Um, I will get to when we get around to it in just a moment so the first field that comes up when it's on Ogvorbis is that it defaults to the quality field rather than the bitrate field it changes to bitrate if you change it to MP3 or if you tell Ogvorbis to use bitrate rather than quality however in MP3 mode it defaults to 128 kbps 44.1 kHz stereo and um, that's what we have here so um This is the bitrate here, and as I say, under Ogvorbus, it would be quality. So um, you would normally come across a a box with zero in it here, but because we have this configured for MP3 already, it's saying 128. General settings edit. 44,100. That's the sample rate. Uh, And these are just straight edit boxes. I guess in theory, you could type in any old sample rate you want, and I guess whether it can use it or not might depend a bit on your encoder and possibly your sound card. General settings edit, two. And that's uh, the number of channels. So um, we have 128 kbps, 44.1 kHz stereo. General settings combo box, MP3 lane, one of three. Now, um, as I mentioned, uh, Edcast can... Stream in a number of formats. If you have the lame enc.dll um, which I mentioned earlier, you have to get separately, uh, then MP3 will be an available choice. Let's see what else we have here. Ogg FLAC. That's Ogg FLAC. is free lossless audio codec. It's quite a high bit rate. It's um, for stereo. It's probably somewhere around 800 kbps, and um, for mono it would be would be roughly. Half that so it's really um um not something that you would normally want to stream in, but uh well, you never know there may be circumstances for doing that Ogvorbis. and ogvorbis um, is uh for those of you who don't know what ogvorbis is it's a free and um royalty free patent free um audio codec similar to m p three but it does sound uh, it does sound better and as I say it has no uh, royalties or legal red tape associated with it. You can also install a plugin um, that will allow you stream in AAC format. Let's go back up to MP3. MP3 lane.
0: Okay. General settings combo box. Shoutcast. Two of two.
4: Now you can stream to either an Icecast two or a Shoutcast server. Um, I would guess that if you are streaming in OGFLAC or OG Vorbis, that this choice wouldn't be available because um, Shardcast doesn't support those codecs. But certainly if you're streaming in MP3 you can either stream in Icecast uh, using an Icecast 2 server or a Shardcast server. And that's something that um, of course I believe the Shardcast DSP plugin won't let you do. Um, also it won't uh, let you stream in, um, in quite so many codecs either. General settings edit at bradio.org. This, of course, is the host name of your server. Um, When you load up Edcast by default, it's it's set to localhost. You obviously, if you are running a server or not running a server on your own machine, you'll need to change that to the address of the machine where uh, your server uh, is running. General settings edit 9550. Okay, this is the uh, port. Uh, to which you connect on the server where your uh, or on the host where your server is running, and for the technically inclined, uh, this for Shotcast service is the port is the listen port uh, rather than the actual source port. Um, EdCast is smart enough to know that if you're dealing with a Shotcast server, that it actually needs to add one to that. General settings edit. Okay, um, I've cut that off because of course that's the password field. It is worth noting there that the password is actually shown to you in the clear. Uh, so um, if you've got someone looking over your shoulder uh, and you don't want them to know the password then you might not want to go in here. General settings edit slash stream.org Now uh, this is a uh, field for uh, that's only relevant to Icecast 2 servers. Um, If you're using an IceCast 2 server, it it allows you to specify the mount point at which the stream will be mounted. Um, If you're using ShoutCast, then you don't need to worry about that. General settings edit. Five. This field is uh, for determining uh, how quickly EdCast will try to reconnect if it uh, loses connection to the server. The default is 10 seconds. I usually find that 10 seconds is a bit long, and at five seconds is well and truly worth it. Some people have it set lower, and uh, it's something you might want to experiment with. I don't want to have it set too low because I worry sometimes that maybe a uh, program like this might chase its tail trying to reconnect if it's set too low. General settings joint stereo checkbox checked. This is um, a an item for the encoder. Um, this basically determines whether channels... Use uh, or with encoded, it uses information that's in both the left and the right to in order to try and improve the quality. It's called joint stereo. And given that usually you're uh, encoding at a bit rate like 128 kbps or lower, um, I would generally recommend to have this item checked because it means that it doesn't have to spend quite so many bits uh, encoding the sound and can actually end up with a bit of a better sound because um, it can use some bits for encoding sound that's in both the left and the right. If you're really puritanical about keeping things separated, then you might want to have this unchecked, but uh, you will also may may have a slight quality hit as a result um, at this kind of bitrate. Basic Settings tab. OK, so that's the Basic Settings tab, and it's, as it says, pretty basic. Let's move one to the right now. IP Settings tab. It sounds like it's saying IP Settings, but it's actually YP Settings, YP um, is Yellow Pages, or it's really, it's basically settings that influence um, how your stream appears to the outca- outside world, and particularly on um, uh, directory services. Let's select that tab. I'll press Space on it. Selected. And it's tab past OK button. And? Cancel button. And we'll get to the uh, items of interest here. Ip settings, public server check, box checked. um this uh is your standard setting here basically saying whether the uh, uh server should be public uh or at least you know publicized on directory service um and all it really does is it tells the server that you're connecting that this is a server that should be publicized and then the server if it's um dealing with a directory service like shoutcast.com or something else like that um it will um Publicise it or not, based on this setting. Ip settings edit. Jeff and Nama test. Okay, this is the name of the stream, and this is the name of the stream that goes uh, that's shown to the um, listener when they connect. So it gets it's what's put into the um, uh, into the uh, title bar of the player, and uh, what gets sent to um, directory services. Ip settings edit. test. Okay, this is called the description field. Um, In terms of um, directory services and things like that, only Icecast 2 actually uses this field. Um, You can put in a more verbose description of your stream, etc. But it also has another use within um, Edcast that isn't immediately obvious uh, in that... Um, if you choose to keep a copy of your broadcast, then the contents of this field is used as the beginning of the file name. Um, this is our definition for the um, ACBRI test server, and so we have it set to ACBRI test, so that any logs we make of of connecting to this will have ACBRI test at the beginning of the file name before the date.
0: IP settings edit http colon slash,
4: slash This is where you can specify the URL of your station, so that when people look at you on directory services, they know how to get to your website. IP settings edit various. This is uh, the genre field. You can pretty much put in whatever you like. If it's a talk show, you might want to put in talk. Or if you do an 80s show or an oldies show or whatever, but it, you can put in pretty much whatever you want here. IP settings like edit. Now, the rest of the fields here are fields that are offered in um, the uh, SharkCast-compatible uh, mode. There's things like ICQ channel, Ip-settings there's uh, uh, AOL Instant Messenger, Ip-settings there's um, um, IRC channel, tab. and um, and I think that's the three of them. Let's quickly look at the last page of settings. Advanced Settings tab. And I'll select
0: it. Selected. OK button. Cancel button. Advanced
4: Settings save archive of stream checkbox checked. Um, now this is pretty self-explanatory. If you want to keep a copy of the stream of your broadcast, then you'll want to check this box. Advanced Settings save as while well. checkbox not checked. If you check this, then it will save it as a raw wave file. Um, unencoded. Basically, it'll save what it gets from the sound card um, as a WAV file. Um, This may be useful if you need to keep a higher quality recording than that of what you're sending out to the stream. Um, I also suspect, but I'm not 100% sure, that if you have any breakup on the stream, it won't be reflected um, in this recording if it's in WAVE. If you have this unchecked, it will save in the format that is sent to the stream, and any breakup, whatever, that causes data not to be sent uh, to the server uh, will be um, that skippage will also be reflected in your log. So, something you may want to have to think about. Advanced Settings Edit. D colon backslash Acbury backslash logs. Okay, this is uh, the path where your uh, archive file will be stored. And so you can hear we've got them here on D colon backslash acbri backslash logs. And this is going to be very much dependent on where you want them to be on your system. A couple of things to say about this. The first is that there is no browse button. So you have to type it in. Sorry about that. Maybe there ought to be one, but there isn't. The second thing to say is that if you type it in wrong, the program will just silently fail to log. It doesn't complain. It just doesn't work. So um, if you're setting up an encoder for the first time, it may be worthwhile doing a little test uh, to make sure that you're actually getting a copy of your log, because if it's something that you want to keep and you have it wrong, you'll just lose it and that's it and there's nothing you can do advanced settings edit two okay um the rest of this dialogue is not going to be that important to most people um edcast keeps a textual log of what it's doing um and these fields relate to that this first field says how much detail um it should log it's a log level um Exactly how this works, I'm not 100% sure. My understanding is, the higher the number, the um, more information it logs. Two is the default value.
0: Advanced settings edit backslash edcast standalone underline three.
4: Um, this is uh the uh, again just to uh, information on how to to generate the file name for the log. Advanced settings tab. And that's it. We're back to. Uh, the tabs and the OK, okay button. button. I cancel button. I don't particularly want to change anything in here, so uh, just in case I accidentally did. Um, Headcast dialog. Uh, the, th- the one thing that is unfortunate about this, and it's another enhancement that I intend to suggest, is that um, you can't name these encoders. So... We have a uh, a consequence here where we have 10 encoders that we regularly use, and um, all but one of them are are 128 kbps, 44.1 kHz stereo. So it is a little bit of a mental exercise sometimes, excuse me, for us to remember which is the correct one. And occasionally we have actually connected with the wrong one. Sometimes I actually, uh, if I'm not 100% sure if I've got the right one, I'll actually right click, go to configure, go to the YP page, and double check what I've got in the title just to be sure that I'm connecting with the right one. To connect, it's pretty straightforward. You just right-click. Context menu, C, connect, C. Let's let's just
0: quickly uh, connect. Leaving menus, list one, list view, MP3 colon 128 kbps slash 44,100 hertz slash stereo socket connected, three of 11.
4: Okay, and you'll see um, um, in this list view, In addition to all of the details regarding the encoder settings, you'll also be able to see whether it's connected and the bitrate of the stream. And I'm looking at it on the Browl display and I can actually see that the bitrate is nowhere near 128. I'm glad I'm not going to be doing a broadcast right now. Uh, To disconnect, is just as easy. You uh, uh, right-click again. Context menu. D. Disconnect. D. And you just click on it
0: leaving menus list one list view mp3 colon 128 kbps slash 44100 hertz slash stereo disconnected
4: and it's pretty straightforward you can have as many of these connected or disconnected at a time as you want deleting an encoder is pretty straightforward um as i said earlier you just right click and uh select the delete encoder from there and it will uh, disappear it's a nice little program. It works fairly well most of the time. There are a couple of uh, little buggy things with, that I've noticed. Um, one of them is that it doesn't seem to handle more than 10 encoders properly. Um, as uh, we kind of realized before, you can kind of resurrect one that was already deleted. Um, and also having more than um, 10 encoders can induce crashes. I've also managed to induce it to crash when uh, they is no encoder and you tap to the encoder list and you use the right click key um, that's induced a crash as well I don't know whether that's um, uh, crashing on the latest uh, version uh, but I certainly have managed to get it to do that in the past that's it it's a pretty straightforward little program if you want to uh, download it take a look at it try it out you can find it at www.odsock.org that's www.odsock O D D S O C K. And uh, the program is uh, free and open source, so uh, it's yours for the taking. This has been Jeff Shang reviewing EdCast for Main Menu.
1: And that's it for Main Menu this week. We're rapidly running out of time. I don't want Byron to boot me out the door, so we're gone. Main Menu next week. Stay tuned to ACB Ready Mainstream, where you're listening is our business. Bye.